It's Monday night, and that means a brand new episode of Graphic Policy Radio. This is the show that mixes comics and politics. Uh, this is the show for uh, folks who wonder who's going to replace the Orange Hulk that will be leaving Congress. And the Orange's Hulk power, we know, is to basically cry and weep uh, at pretty much anything and everything. Uh, so tonight, while I'm waiting for my co-host to call in, we've uh, we've got a couple topics. We're going to be talking about New York Comic Con. We're going to be talking about uh, the all-new, all-different Mar- uh, Marvel releases that are coming out this week. Uh, but before we get to all of that, um, I want to talk about a little bit of a serious uh, moment. We've uh, had a hell of a uh, post that went up on our website, Graphic Policy, this past week dealt with a very uh, serious topic of harassment in the comic industry. I don't want to go uh, and discuss that. We're not going to talk about it on the show due to uh, advisement from a whole bunch of folks that we're going to possibly slip up and say things that we'll, we would regret. Uh, so we're not going to talk about it, but you can go and actually check out the article in our spotlight section that can be found on graphicpolicy.com. Um Really, really, you know, important topic. We take uh, we take harassment in the comic industry really, really serious. Um, it's something that you know we're fighting against. We hope that you uh, support us in our fight. And yeah, I, mean, I don't think there's really much else to say that hasn't been said in the article. Um, on top of that, uh, there's actually some good news when it comes to women in the geek segment. Um, let me find the great article. So uh, the uh, Fortune.com um, and the Great Place to Work Institute have named the 100 Best Workplaces for Women in the U.S. And uh, there is a geek-related thing on their list. Coming in at number 73 is TCGPlayer.com. Um, it is a trading card game player uh, website. Uh, the company has 70 employees. Um uh, their quote uh, when they were in, uh, informed that they came in at number 73, um, Shetty Hampson, CEO of the company, said, since the foundation, foundation of TCGPlayer.com, uh, they've worked hard to create a fun, inclusive, and enriching work environment for all of their employees. So the recognition is very meaningful for them. Um, I want to welcome them and uh, – or, or not – yeah, congratulate them on their announcement. It's been fantastic. It's awesome to see. Um and uh, yeah, I mean, it, you know, it's not often we get to to give some awesome news, and um, I think that's well well deserved. And kudos to them. So if you're looking for some geek related stuff, go to tcgplayer.com, and you can get stuff from them. Um, Eventbrite was the only other company with some geek connections uh, that was in the top 100. But uh, we had some that's some great news uh, for a, a week where we were talking about. How women have been treated horribly in uh, companies in geekdom. We have one that actually does things proper and, and treats them with respect. So, uh, congrats to TC, TCGplayer.com. You can usually catch them at various conventions. Uh, so, joining me is my co host, Alana. Alana, what's up? How are things going with you? Can you hear me okay? Yeah, I can hear you perfect. Excellent, excellent. Just getting ready for New York Comic Con, which is like the Super Bowl and Mardi Gras of the New York geek community, I think. it's. Uh, I'm tired thinking about it, yeah. but I think we're going to kick butt this year. We've got a number of people from Graphic Policy coming, right? Uh, we do. Uh, there will be at least five of us, I think. Um, there's possibly more, but I'm waiting to hear back from someone if they're making it or not. They were kind of up in the air. So, uh, we do have a hell of a crew showing up, which should be really, really cool and, uh, a lot of fun. So, um, we'll be tweeting up the storm and having lots of coverage on the site and I'm looking forward to it. Exhausted, but looking forward to it. (laughs) Expect robust team coverage from the name you trust. (laughs) Does this mean we have to do a crazy intro now for, like, videos where we all, like, have to look at the camera or something like that? Yes, yes. And I'll look really serious and you can change my name to something that sounds like it's from um, uh, the East-West Bowl. It'll be it'll be pretty intense. <laughs> and then I have to learn a uh, Midwest uh, accent to uh, be proper. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and my, name will, my last name will finally be Storm. 
like I've always wanted it to be. Ooh, good call. I don't know why I said math. I've decided that I'm the weather reporter, but why not? Let's just go with that. <laughs> we could be like, you could be the, the hard-hitting um, uh, reporter or something storm, Alana Storm. That actually would be called, kind of a cool name. The one That's asking hard-hitting cool. questions. Rolling in um, like well, a storm my... with the hard-hitting questions. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I, I um, actually, I have been asked if I'm going to be storm for Halloween because uh, my husband's going to be Forge, but I'm not. I'm actually going as Siren after Banshee died, so technically as Banshee, but as Teresa. It's complicated. Whatever. You'll see it. It'll be good. I can't wait. It's going to be awesome. Really, really cool. Um... So, yeah, I, I, let's actually kind of start off. So we, instead of going with New York Comic Con, let's do a little uh, comic goodness. Um, so for those who don't know, all new, all different Marvel is a relaunch, reboot, re-something of the Marvel line with a whole new direction and all kinds of new uh, comic series coming out. Their whole line is starting from the, well, first issues. Uh, the first actually come out this week, and... Uh, yeah, so I wanted to talk about that and just go over like, each individual book. Are we excited about it? You know, why, why not? Um, and kind of go from there. And, uh, yeah, just kind of give our, like, general thoughts as to what we think of the the general kickoff list. I think it would be also interesting of being like, is this an interesting list to start with as a whole, um, you know, from there, I think you can kind of get the, the idea of that question. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. So you know they're they're doing their their point one series. Uh, for those that don't don't know, uh, a, Marvel Point One is kind of a starter series when they a starter comic when they do these major relaunches that kind of give you a general direction. Um, have you ever read like any of the previous Point Ones that have come out? I have, and the, but the fact that you have to explain what it is to people is a bad sign. Um, I really <laughs> like the idea of telling people, like, hey, if you're new to this, this is where you can begin. But I don't think that the framing of calling it point one, since you just had to explain it to our listeners, I don't think it's self-evident enough what that means. So it yeah. concerns me. But what it actually is, is a good idea. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's kind of – so this one uh, – it, it, it's interesting. It's a it's a comic. Uh, so one of the comics that are coming out, Contest of Champions, that comes out this week. And we'll discuss it in probably a few minutes. Um, the the story itself is from that perspective, and he's kind of giving an overview of a bunch of different characters in the Marvel universe. So there's like six series that kind of quickly go through in this like uh, quick small stories, and then there's like this overarching story to explain what the hell Contest of Champions is, and we'll dis- discuss that in a little bit. So it's a little bit different than previous point ones, in that the previous point ones were kind of short stories that tried to give you hints as to what they expect, whereas this one has like a bigger story that ties into, uh, that in a way kind of introduces the other stories. It's interesting it's, um, because it was done that way. And you wrote a review of it, which is readable on graphicpolicy.com, I know. Yes, we, we have a review up already. Um, Marvel gave me a very um, specific one, so unfortunately I couldn't share so you could see it. But um, it, it, it was it was interesting. Like, you know, is that one, is it, in the past point one, like, did you find them useful to you? Um, do you, like, really like the concept? Like, did it do what you would hope that it did? Well, I didn't really need them because I'd been sure. reading enough of the lines. I, I, you know, there are things that I just sort of jumped in the middle of and hadn't really looked at before, but those didn't have point ones for them. I, I do feel like the more you can like wave a flag to people and say, "Hey, don't, don't you don't know where to start? Start here." But I just don't think the nomenclature works. Um, I think if they just gave it a different name, it could make yeah. a big difference in people's readability of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's actually a really good point. I mean, for a new reader, I know I would kind of go up to him and be like, what the hell is this? It doesn't really tell you anything. Um, I mean, I don't know why they call it point one. I mean, they really could have just called it all new, all different Marvel number one um, or number yeah. zero or something like that. Or even like your guides, too, even though it's not really a guide, but like Marvel starts here or like something like that. Could yeah, work. yeah, actually, 
that would have actually been a good good way to um, describe it. Um, yeah, that's a good point. Very good point. Um, so I guess we'll move on to Avengers. So Aven- uh, do you remember like back in back years ago, Marvel had like really distinct lines. Like there was a Spider-Man line, and there was an Avengers line, and there was an X-Men yeah. line. The, yeah, and yeah. then never the a couple twain years, shall meet, and it made my life a lot easier. Yeah, yeah. And then a couple years ago, they kind of started blending them all together, so there wasn't the the lines were a bit more nebulous and not quite. There wasn't quite lines uh, dividing everything. Um, yeah. For for Avengers number zero, um, again we've got a review up on the site. It was another one I got to look at. Um, you might as well have called it Avengers, you know, Marvel point one because that's or yeah point one because that's really what it is. Um, my reading it and the way they've presented it in like their blurbs, it seems like they're almost going back to this. We've got our Spider-Man line, we've got our Avengers line, we've got our X-Men line, we've got our Inhumans line, um, and then we've got other books that might be interesting to other folks. We have the others. Uh-huh. That sounds like a reasonable approach. Um, I... Um, good idea. Uh, I don't know. It's how I was. I I spent like my entire life until Brian Bendis started writing New Avengers, but not really ever reading an Avengers comic, and that was okay, you know. <laughs> so um, easy to keep track of those things. And then within channel, you can say, okay, well, this is sort of the more humor one. This is the more action one. This is the darkity dark one, etc. So I think I think that going in that direction, it, I feel like it served me well when I was getting. You're breaking up a little bit there. Would you say? Um, where did you lose me? Uh, like right towards the end. It has served me well when I was getting started as a reader. So. Yeah, I kind of liked it. I mean, it was easier because you could get like, all right, I'm just going to get the all the Avengers books. I'm going to get these six books, and like, that was it. Um, and you didn't have to worry about anything else. And you could get them, and maybe there was a little bit that gave you a bigger picture, but like this was it. Um, and this was kind of the vibe I got from this. Now, interesting enough, they have lumped, I guess, A-Force is an Avengers book. I mean, obviously it's an Avengers book, um, but they, they've lumped um, Ultimates, which I don't didn't really know if I should consider an, an Avengers book, but Squadron, Squadron Supreme uh, was in there as well, which I thought was uh, was pretty cool. Um, and that's kind of the perspective of the comic itself, is the Squadron Supreme trying to learn more about all these various Avengers teams. Um, the one thing I will say to folks, uh, for those who want was it uh, American Chavez? What's her the America Chavez? Yeah, Miss yeah. America. Miss America. Yeah. Uh, folks who want that character, and there was a huge amount of po- folks who want her to have her own series. Um, if you pick up Avengers number zero, I think you'll be happy, and you'll probably want to pick up Ultimates. Is what this is telling me. It seems like that's oh, going to be. Yeah, she uh, the little Ultimates segment is very focused on her. Um, which is pretty well, but, cool. Oh, that's oh, that's so wonderful. Yeah. I had literally zero interest in reading Ultimates. I mean, I knew that she was on the team and that the Ultimates team had some characters that I like in it, but the idea that she will be a prominent character within that is, is different to me than her just being one of many. Um, who's writing that book again? Uh, I don't know. I need to look it up. Um I feel like it was somebody I who I like, but I wasn't about to like drop everything to read whatever they were doing. Like it was somebody like that, I think. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, having her having her have a prominent role there, I think, is fantastic. They should promote it more. Like make sure people know that. Don't just sort of leave it off as a nice little surprise. Um. Yeah, I, I think I've been saying like if every if anybody who needs now that Ghostwriter is going to have a book. I'm sorry, not Ghostwriter. Now that Blade is going to have a book, the character that most needs their own book right now is America Chavez. So, yeah, but Blade is Fantastic. Blade. It's it's Blade's daughter, which is like completely weird. Uh, yeah, why not? 
I mean, he's still in it, though, right? It's Blade and Daughter. From what I can figure, yeah. I don't know. We actually haven't heard much about that series after they announced it. <laughs> yeah, we just knew that it was not Ron Wimberly, is basically. Yeah. Uh, all what we know. Al Ewing is writing, and Ken Rockerfort is. Oh, yeah, and Al Ewing is great. It's just, you know, not Ron Wimberly. Um, yeah, and the, I think the one thing, uh, so one thing that was kind of is kind of cool, uh, Captain Marvel plays a huge role in the book. Um, the rest is the Alpha Flight, and I'm a huge Alpha Flight fan, so I'm just very, very happy I'm sorry, about that. In, in, in which book? Alpha Flight is it, which book? In, in the Avengers book, I'm not quite sure how uh, it plays out, but something is called Alpha Flight now. Which is really It's funny because with a name like Alpha Flight, it never made sense. I mean, they had lots and lots of non-mutant characters. They seem like they really are the Canadian Avengers. Hmm? I don't feel like I've ever heard anybody say that. But, like, if you consider the makeup of the team and their relationship with the Marvel Universe's terrifying Canadian government and um, their role as, like, a, you know, a really mixed mutant, non-mutant team, they, they seem like the Avengers as much as anything. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, I always kind of consider that. They all you know, always felt like a knockoff Avengers in a bad way. Um, I loved Alpha Flight, though, but they never quite had that A status, unfortunately. Um, mm-hmm. The concept they did in Alpha Flight were so cool. Um, but um, overall, like, with the Avengers series coming out, is it something that you actually are looking forward to? Do you want to check it out a little bit? Um, no, I don't really care. <laughs> I mean, I just I don't care. You know, but here's the thing. I put it into a category where if someone was going to give me a review copy, I'd sure as heck look at it. You know, I'm not against it. There just isn't anything shouting at it telling me that this is something that I'm going to want to spend a ton of money on. And everything is a ton of money now. Um, Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you. I don't think there's anything particularly interesting or new. But if if Ultimates is going to have a lot of America Chavez and, and... that that that's telling me it's something worthwhile, so I could consider that then. Yeah, I will say that the uh, the comics coming out are painfully expensive. Uh, Marvel's drawing the line at five ninety nine apparently. Cheap, uh, Yeah, no shit. Six dollars a book is ridiculous. I don't know if it is. Well, it's I think five, the nine, are five ninety nine. Well, so all new, all the point one and the Avengers number zero are at sixty pages. So sixty pages for for five ninety nine is a little is much better, um, and it's really yeah, okay. is sixty pages. Um, I don't know if Spider Man is, but that has five ninety nine. Contest of Champions is four ninety nine. Doctor Strange is four ninety nine. Invincible, Invincible Iron Man is three ninety nine. So um, are they I longer? think it's are they longer? If they're consistently longer, then it's just sort of means it's a bigger commitment, but it's not a rip off, you know. Yeah, I don't know if Spider-Man is. I, so I know the point one in Avengers are 60 pages. So 60 pages for six bucks isn't quite as being painful. You know, if we knew that this extra money was going to go to the creative teams, if we knew that this money was supporting the artists, I don't mm-hmm. think people would question it. I think people just want to know why is there an increase and, like, what do we get from it? If what we get from it is that we're, our writers and artists are paid better – and therefore, they don't have to do as much extraneous work, and therefore, they can do better content. Because I do believe that one of the reasons why art is so shitty is that artists don't have enough time to do good work, because they have to do so much work to make a living. Um, then that's valuable. I mean, it's the right thing morally, and it's going to be good for the art. But I don't know if that's what's happening here. And, you know, oh, folks should go. My official, like, favorite person these days is Alex DeCampi, um, the writer who joined us a couple episodes back. She ran on Tumblr a, a comparative list of page rates for all the publishers. So we should take a look, see if Marvel might be increasing or changing theirs in some way. I, I doubt it. I feel like somebody would have flagged that to me if that had been the case. Yeah, um, I don't know. I you know I don't know how this sort of book works uh, for pay, page rates. For at least these two, what's interesting is each little section that has to do with their series. Um, it's done by those series creators. So this isn't like one person is doing everything. So like the A4 section is by the A Force creators and the the new Avengers is the new Avengers creator. Um Oh, you mean the section of the special book. Yeah, this special book. So 
I have no idea how that how that works. So it, it's interesting though. But at least what's cool. Sounds what hard I'd to like, coordinate, but it sounds like a good idea. Yeah. Yeah. Because it wouldn't be a fair representation of the story if you have like a random person on it, even if yeah. they're like have an outline of here's the points you have to hit. If it doesn't have the actual writer who will be on the book, it's not really doing you any favors in terms of giving you a sense of whether or not you'd like it, frankly. Yeah, and the all new uh, the point one also does the same thing where it starts off being told from the perspective of Maestro, and he's kind of looking at champions for him for you know to use in his battle, and they go and look at Daredevil, and they go and look at Shield and Carnage, which actually might be the most surprisingly interesting series out so far that I've kind of seen through that. Huh. Uh, yeah, well, I'll talk Carnage about is that sure as hell terrifying. I mean, yeah. really one of the most terrifying characters in Marvel. I think in some ways you could think that he's just a ripoff of the Joker in the sense that he's purely chaotic evil, just mm-hmm. the most chaotic and most evil. He comes off very differently. I can't quite explain why. Um, yep. Yeah. So, uh, well, so, so yeah, in that in that point one, like each of those segments are done by the series writer and, and artist, which is which is cool. I really like that. So you do get a good feel of what each of these new series are gonna be like. Uh, which was something I, I really enjoyed seeing, and I would actually like him to see them do this for each month for some of the new series that come out. So you can be like, oh, okay, month two, here's like the ones they're kind of pushing, and here's a new point one that you can got to get a sense. I think that would be really neat. Um, I don't see them doing mm. that, but good suggestion for down uh-huh. you know down the road. Um, so Carnage. So the Carnage is really really fascinating. It basically was is the story of him. He's going around and just killing people. What a shock! So he's back to being like a mass murderer. <laughs> Uh, but they go and grab, um, I think, James, J. Jameson's kid. I can't think of his first name. Um, oh, they change their minds a lot. Yeah, I can't think of his first name. But they, I'm not geez, even joking. It, like, it has changed, right? Explain the universe. There's like been various and sundry J. Jonah Jameson kids over the years. So. <laughs> uh, so this one's in the military, and they basically, from what I'm reading on the story, is like, he's getting recruited to go capture Carnage. So there was, like, very much the Silence of the Lambs vibe about it of, like, this person being recruited to go get the serial killer, hmm. which is kind of cool. And and this, out of all the series, I had no idea what the hell they were going to do. So reading right. this, kind of right. seeing that direction, I was like, all right, that's actually interesting. Um, you know, the rest of everything is pretty standard on what I expected, uh, oh. but that one really jumped out at me of being like, okay, this went from like a, I'm just going to read the first issue and probably drop it to like, oh no, this actually seems interesting. And I might be pleasantly surprised by that first issue. Um, cool. Yeah. So, uh, you know, for folks who kind of like that idea of a cop or, you know, like serial killer being tracked down and stopped, like you might want to check that out. Um, also debuting this week is Amazing Spider-Man number one, written by Dan Slott with uh, art by Giuseppe Camincolo. Cooley? Cooley? Camp guy. I'm sure I butchered that. Um, so basically is Dan Slott still doing Spider-Man? I mean, you weren't reading Spider-Man before, right? Nope. Okay. Uh, <laughs> the only Dan Slott thing I've ever read was, um... Silver Surfer, and Silver I was Surfer, yeah. largely reading that for the art. Although I don't think Slot was like a problem or anything, but it was the art that made it, the book really outstanding. Yeah, 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 that's fair. Um, for Spider-Man, like Dan Slot's been has been really solid. Um, I've never been a huge Spider-Man fan, but his writing has got me interested in the stuff he's doing. He's really willing to shake up the character. Um, this seems to be a continuation of what we've seen before except it's a little bit older of a Peter Parker, and he actually has a successful business, so he's not going to be stuck in New York as much as opposed to... That's stupid. <laughs> like, uh, why yeah. would... I'm sorry. Like, okay, and one, yeah. on one level, Kamala Khan, Ms. Marvel, is the new Spider-Man in the sense that she's a teenager, she's an outsider, she's a nerd, she has powers... She's struggling with her family obligations and trying to get... I mean, she really is the modern Spider-Man. So maybe Mm -hmm. it's not... Maybe Spider-Man doesn't need to be Spider-Man anymore. I just... But I just don't know why. Having Spider-Man be a successful businessman is so antithetical, though. Like, even if you... Like, I'm all for letting Spider-Man grow up. I like it when he's, you know, trying to, like, mentor people. That can be pretty sweet. But... 
Spider-Man successful businessmen, like why, why? Most adults who are functioning adults aren't successful business people. Like even if you want to show yeah. character growth, like having him be financially stable is like just not a thing. I don't know why you would do that. Uh, the interest, so the really interesting thing to me with them having uh, an older Peter Parker, um, you know, back to kind of what he was, and it seems like the status quo is going slightly back to what it was, is they've got a new Spider-Man movie coming out, um, not next year, maybe next year or the year after, it, whatever. Yeah, another retelling of the origins of Spider-Man. Yeah. If anyone hasn't figured that out yet. And it's going to be a younger Spider-Man. Like, obviously, you and I were wanted them to do Miles O'Brien, and I think My, or Miles Morales. And Miles Morales, yeah. I think, would have been way smarter of a move um, for the franchise as a whole. But it, yeah, it baffles me. Yeah, there a reason to do this. Yeah, like to me, it just like you're going to have a disconnect of someone coming in and being like, "I want to read about Spider-Man when he's a teenager." And there's the Spidey series that's coming out, which I guess is going to fill that void. But, like, to me, this just feels like, all right, we've dealt with a lot of people bitching how they don't like a younger Spider-Man to exist and uh, him to be divorced and, and, you know, actually be, like, a normal person, down on his luck, having hard time to pay the bills, divorced wife, or not divorced, but wife doesn't remember him. Is he going to be with Mary Jane? I I don't know, because Mary Jane is being teased as being part of the Iron Man series, so I don't know what that situation is going to be. That's strange. <laughs> Not the word I thought you were going to go with, but okay. <laughs> uh, we'll go yeah, with- I, I, I have to know more before I say the other S word. Yeah. But anyhow. Um, I, I'm with you. It's one where I'm like intrigued, but I'm like, oh, this could go so, so wrong is so easily. Yeah. More or less. All right. So you haven't been picking up Spider-Man. You're probably not going to pick up this Spider-Man. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> all right. One of the more intriguing ones is Contest of Champions. Uh, basically, the only way I can describe this is if you took a video game and threw it in a comic book, it's Contest of Champions. Uh, the the slight tease we got is in the Marvel Point One. Uh, what they basically showed was uh, Doom's world from Secret Wars has somehow survived since Secret Wars doesn't seem like it's going to end till January. Um, we're not going to have a clue how any of that happens, so they'll be well into the all new, all different, while they'll still be uh, wrapping up the all old, all not different. I don't know what you want to call it. Um, all, all disappointing. Actually, just a quick question. What from Secret Wars has actually been good? Um, I liked Thor's up to a point. The main Secret Wars series has been good. Um, The 1872 has been kind of cool. I've liked that one. It's a Wild West series. Yeah. Um, I just thought, you know, the first couple of issues where, like, everything was thrown out there, and it's like, holy crap, they just killed all these people. Like, that, to me, was very interesting. Um, other than that, like, I think there's a lot of stuff that's good, but very little that's great that has me super excited. I think I like the concept better than execution. Exactly. I completely agree. The only thing that I've been really happy with is 1702, the Angela book. Mm -hmm. Um, that's been really fun and sweet and the art has been lovely. Um, I haven't read East for Extinction, but I heard great things. I might go back and read it like somebody else's copies or something like that. Yeah, that was one I thought is it's okay, like it's not blowing me away. But I when there's very little that is being done that I would say is really bad and to like completely avoid. But there's nothing that I'm I jump up for joy and be like, oh my god, I have to read it. Which uh, ultimately means it's a waste of freaking money. Like so. Yeah. You know, I I I'm, Runaways was good, but not as mm-hmm. good as I hoped it would be. Um, Siege, I read the first two issues just because I'm such a sucker for Abigail Brand and Kieran Gillen is one of my favorite folks ever and you know there's good good people writing that book and it was good but I I couldn't really justify it because I knew that it wasn't going to be any of their best work like you could just tell you know what I mean and I think that's what a lot of it feels like for me um, where 
it it feels like folks were were told, okay, you can do anything you want. You know, here's maybe the general overarching thing of what Secret Wars is about. You kind of have this little playground. You can do crazy stuff. And people kind of started off like, and there's, you know, kicks off like with really, really high hopes. And you're like, oh, sweet. This is like a really kind of cool, like new take on this stuff. And then by like the second Uh and third issue, it was like the steam had been completely taken out because my guess is everyone else was distracted doing something else. Yeah. I think I feel like a lot of people's heart wasn't in it or something um, editorial mandated. Also, it's gone on much longer than I expected it would. Yeah. Um, you know, I certainly I dropped Thor's on account of it being the most egregious example of fridging I'd witnessed in years um, mm-hmm. in its treatment of. I mean, who cares about spoilers at this point? In, in its treatment of Jane Foster just being dead and like all she is is existing to be dead. Fucking bullshit. Um, you know, a huge disappointment for me, and it hurts me to say this, was A-Force. It, it, I love the concept. I love the cast. I don't think you could do a really interesting book with a team that big in a setting that specific that quickly. So it just felt kind of lightweight. You know, I'm not sure what she could have done better, to be honest. Uh, I, I, you know, I, I think I'm really looking forward to, you know, checking out A-Force in the new, when it, when the series launches again, basically after the end of Secret Wars. But I, I stopped buying it because ultimately it felt kind of meaningless. Yeah. Um, and of course, you've probably heard me rant about how completely stupid Nico Monroe's uh, costume is in that <laughs> book because it's like the most misguided costume I've seen in a long time, but uh, on paper, on paper, that book should have been everything. Is it not only was it this female team? It's a female team in a creative concept. Um, you know, essentially being like Amazons in a female-led, a female-lived run paradise, and the characters they chose were great ones. So, yeah, I, I, I just think that people like were kind of pushed into this box and demanded that they perform in certain ways, and it didn't really mesh. I, I really do think Secret Wars is ultimately disappointing. Yeah, I mean, it, it's one where... You okay? <laughs> um, sorry, yes, that's fine, sorry. That's all right. Uh, the, that's just my um, alarm for when... Uh, fire alarm? When I've finished making a particularly potent point about <laughs> theories and whether or not they were any good or worth having purchased. I've debated and wanted to get special effects for a really long time, and I'm like, this could be the worst idea for the show ever. Uh, me having a sound box is just like giving a toy to a small child. <laughs> and my wife is not yeah. in complete agreement. Yeah, actually. yeah. No, <laughs> I just want a sound box that, that would just say, ignore me, like from Venture Brothers, when I would need to get carried along to the next subject. Hit the button. Um, ignore me! <laughs> The, uh, Probably not what you want from your podcast host. No, but it'd be funny. It'd be really funny. So Secret Wars to me was the other thing, and I brought it up towards the beginning when it first came out, was, you know, I had the issue that it didn't really explain why there's like 30 different versions of the same damn character. And sometimes like really similar versions of the same character. So there was Spider-Gwen in like the Spider-Island, but there's Spider-Gwen in A-Force, and there's no difference between the two Spider-Gwens. Um, so to me, like, Secret Wars is... That didn't bother so, me. See, that, it did. For me, it did in that I want at least an explanation why, like even a throwaway sentence. Um, where here it just was like, it, it felt, it feels, since it's not technically done yet, um, that again, like, hey, we've got these, all these concepts go crazy, but no one was giving, like, given actual guidance as to how everything works and together and how it all gels, as opposed to, like, hey, you have this section on a map. Go crazy. Um, yeah, like, it is, something is very, very off by it. Um, yeah. Uh, Speaking of weird and things throwing together, so Contest of Champions is the aftermath 
of Secret Realms and basically a bunch of characters left over or Secret Wars. A bunch of characters are left over. They're battling out to see whoever gets like to control the what's left of the Secret Wars world. Uh, so they are literally like choosing their champions to fight for them. Uh, so basically, if you like Street Fighter or Mortal Kombat or that or uh, what do I always like Marvel versus Capcom, I think was the big one. If you yeah, like Marvel I mean, I versus like, Capcom, I like playing those games, but why would I want yeah. to read them? I don't disagree with that notion. That was my thought too. And there is a contest of champions video game, so it feels like they're trying to do cross marketing and cross promotion. Uh, yeah, cross media, cross media production. Transmedia. That's it. Yes, thank you. That's what mm-hmm. I was looking for. Um, but I don't know if they're going to succeed in that because I don't play the game, so I have no idea if they're advertising the comic in the video game. Yeah, that would be sane and very unlikely. <laughs> and if anyone wants to read other things, uh, suggestions as to how to properly market comics, we had our Sunday roundtable where that was a topic of uh, discussion, so... Um, you should check that out and read a whole bunch of other really sane and smart suggestions from the graphic policy team. But back to the conversation. Yep. Uh, <laughs> also coming out this week is Doctor Strange number one. That's one that you and Doug are interested in. Yes. Um, historically, I have been a bigger fan of Doctor Strange art than I have of any particular story that's been going on it. I just I love the Silver Age Doctor Strange art. It's just some of my favorite stuff. It's framed on my walls. Here, um, you know, I'm not really a Bacalo person. I, I, you know, would take him over like one of those super cheesy artists, but his particular type of cartoony, I don't think it's like pretty, and I don't find it that interesting, but, you know, it being a Doctor Strange book by... Jason Aaron, if I recall, correct? Yep. Correct. I mean, I want to know what that's going to be. Yeah. And it'll be the first time that I've ever picked up a Doctor Strange book for something other than the art. Uh, so the the thing that actually intrigues me is he's carrying a giant axe, uh, which doesn't seem very Doctor Strange to me. But the again? uh pre he's he has a giant axe on the cover and all the like promo images they've yeah. been sending around. Mm-hmm. But him having an axe doesn't seem very Doctor Strange to me. No. But assume it's a magic axe, or perhaps the axe is a metaphor. Or maybe it just came with this with his uh, really sweet Greenwich Village townhouse. <laughs> I, you know. Uh, so you find the, interesting the, things in basements. <laughs> interesting things in Greenwich Village. Uh, the the text for this or the preview is, who do you call when things are coming out of your dreams and trying to kill you? Or when your daughter is cursing in Latin and walking like a spider? Or when your dog keeps screaming at you to strangle your neighbors? Dr. Strange, of course, is the only person standing between us and the forces of darkness. But has he been paying his t- uh, his tab? Every act of magic has a cost. And Jason Aaron and Chris Bocciolo are going to put Stephen Strange through hell to even the scales. It sounds interesting. That's Yes, that sounds potentially delightful. Um, it sounds very not Doctor Strange in some ways. Yeah. I could, if there wasn't a doc, if there wasn't a Doctor Strange movie coming out, I would say that this sounds like a pitch for one of the other Marvel Universe magic characters, you know. Um, but because there's a Doctor Strange movie coming out, they have to do something to make it interesting. So why not this? Fair enough. Um, but it, it's one you want to check out. It's one option, continuity sorry. free too. Sorry. Yeah. I mean, this is one you're definitely checking out, and I'm checking out. So we're going to absolutely yeah. have to talk about it at some point. Definitely. Um, yeah. Yeah, this is one that I, I like when they announced it, especially Jason Aaron, because um, I think Jason Aaron's such a talented writer. Uh, for those who haven't read pretty much anything that he's ever read uh, or ever written, it, he's well worth it. I, I think there's very few things that I've read of his that I have disliked. Um, so... Highly, highly recommend them. Uh, the final one that's coming out is Invincible Iron Man, which they have basically said is kind of going to be what the Marvel Universe is going to revolve around. What a shock, considering that's what the movies seem to revolve around. Um, mm-hmm. Brian, Michael- 
Brian Michael Bendis is writing with David Marquez doing the art. I couldn't even make myself read Iron Man when Kieran Gillen was writing it. So, <laughs> no. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, interesting question on this one is the fact that Secret Wars is so freaking delayed. Does that bother you at all? going into this, or is it one of those things like, you don't really care about Secret Wars at this point, so you'd rather just start over and get going? I want to just start over and get going. Like, I'm I'm done. And I'm not like that. I didn't think I'd be feeling this way. I thought I would be, you know, I'm not obsessed with, like, just getting to the next thing. I'm I'm not somebody who looks at a comic and say, oh, this is taking too long. I try to enjoy the journey and appreciate things as they come out. And I, I did not expect to be feeling the way I am, but I'm just tired of it. All right. Fair enough. Um, well, it's a good transition to something that you were excited about. Uh, let's talk about uh, the Batman, 40, Batman 44. You wrote an awesome piece about it. Uh, it is on our site. Um, it's entitled, Why We Need Batman. Uh, or the bat we need, bat we need, Batman we the deserve. Batman we deserve. Yeah. Batman we deserve. Uh, one thing I thought was interesting and about it was who got really interested in the piece, um, though there was no commentary by them on their own little corner of the universe. But it was libertarians that were linking to this piece from uh, Reddit. Um, so oh, apparently you right. have. <laughs> If there was some group of people I wasn't looking to attract, it was libertarians from Reddit. Um, just for some sort of context, I, I, you know, I had been interviewed for um, that article in The Guardian where they were interviewing people to talk about the significance of Batman 44 and, and looking at institutional racism and stuff like that, and I was interviewed for it, but I had written so much more than I could fit in that article. Um, then, And so I decided to turn the rest of it into my own piece. At, at this point, so much of what I'd wanted to say about the comic had been said, so I ended up digressing a bit and focusing about the problem with Wayne Foundation, the Wayne Foundation, um, and the Wayne Foundation's model, and the, the difference between how Batman attempts to address problems in Gotham versus how the Wayne Foundation, which is, you know, shown as being led by Bruce Wayne, attempts to address these problems. And I, I have a critique of what is called the uh, nonprofit industrial complex. But um, I sort of, you know, my, my point arguing that if this model of charity that Bruce Wayne does, where he spends money, to improve a hospital or to improve a school doesn't actually empower people in the communities that it's been created to serve because they're not in the positions of leadership within those systems and they're still continually going back to him and needing more support from the one percenter. Um, so I was saying if the Wayne Foundation, if Bruce Wayne really wanted to become a source of change and lasting systemic change in, in, in Gotham, then he'd need to support support community organizing financially so that it could become like sustainable itself. You wouldn't have to keep going back to your donors to ask for more money because the members, the low income people in that community would be the ones funding the institution itself um, and wouldn't have to, you know, kiss ass to rich people to get the funding they needed to do their work. They wouldn't have to placate uh, the rich donors and they would be in control of their organization that they were in. Um, and I guess I'm not surprised that it's, it's easy for me to see how a libertarian could think I was saying something that supported their approach, but I'm really, really not, uh, in part. But um, what, what, what was the main argument? What, what was it that they had taken on? Well, that's the thing that's driving me, that drove me nuts on this, and I actually am um, happy that we were trying to figure out what else to, the top, uh, to discuss, and you brought this up because I wanted to ask you about it. And wanted to do that on the show is they haven't they didn't say anything. There was no commentary in their Reddit thread at all. They just linked to the article, and that's it. And there's no comments. But on like it. multiple there's, people, multiple people linked to it. 
so no, they've they've got some like libertarian group on on Reddit, like some subreddit or whatever it is. Um and they posted the article there to share it around. So tons of people were coming to our site to read it, but no one on their site actually commented on it at all. Well, I assume that it's because I offer a critique of the traditional model of charity and that's why they're that's why they're happy to have it, you know. Um I think they're misunderstanding what I'm trying to say. Uh, in a way that's pretty predictable. I, I just, um, you know, I'm not saying that you shouldn't give donations. I'm saying that you shouldn't be thinking about them as doing something where you're just doing it to help somebody else and then you're going to control what happens with it and that you're going to be the ongoing source of support. Like, it should be given with an eye towards how is this going to be sustainable by the impacted people. Um, and nothing about that is exclusory to having actual government support because, there are things that government does better than other things, and uh, trying to outsource those to individual people is ridiculous. So I'm pretty sure that that's why they have a crush on my piece, but I'm surprised that none of them have commented. Perhaps they can figure out by having read it that I'm actually not on their team. Possibly. Especially Um, as I do mention, like, you know, we don't know what Bruce Wayne's stance is on unions uh, and... If he really wanted to support ending income inequality, he could support, you know, unionization at the various places that he he owns and runs at Wayne Industries, from the janitors to the developers. You know, no reason why they all wouldn't shouldn't be in the unions. Um, and I talk so I, and I talk about how, for once, I could imagine the Bruce Wayne who's depicted in Batman issue forty four. I could imagine that Bruce Wayne as being someone who'd come out and support the, you know, increasing the minimum wage and like actually making us taking a stance on contemporary public social issues in a way that isn't really done in Batman in the past. So yeah. I mean, that's what gave me away. I kind of felt like it was a Bruce Wayne that would sit there and be like, you know what, we're going to pay everyone $15 an hour at minimum. Um, if not yeah. more, like it, it just, it yeah, did feel yeah. like that for a good chunk of it. Um, it'd be kind of cool if we see it. Uh, unfortunately, the links I always have were just like to the general thread or like the page it was from, so I can't seem to find where the hell it is in their subreddit. So, That's um, okay. Well, yeah. it's always interesting to know when things get out there. But yeah, I'd love to get folks' thoughts on it. I'm I'm not really explaining myself very well in this, so just go read the darn article. <laughs> it's on the road. It's, I believe it's still on the rotator somewhere. Uh, yeah, dot com. Yep, it should be in the, the spotlight deserve. section. Yes. Thank you. Uh, Spotlighted. Yeah, that was the spotlight of the stuff that uh, no longer is on the rotation that should be. Because <laughs> I can't um, figure out. To be clear, I'm not saying that we deserve Batman. God, Batman is the worst idea ever in real life. I'm talking about getting the Batman comic that we deserve and that this is an example of the kind of Batman comic that we deserve. But also, what yeah. would a Batman in real life that we would want look like. So go, yeah, go, 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 go give it a look. Um, yep, I, no, no, no comments still. Comic Con. I, I did find it. No more comments, or there's no comments still sitting there. Yeah, there's no comments. So weird. Yeah. <laughs> All right, New York Comic Con. So uh, New York Comic Con's coming up this week. Uh, it is the last major convention of the year. It is the largest Comic Con on the East Coast. Um, 100,000 plus people show up. It's a complete madhouse. They've expanded it so that we would get New York Super Week, which begins, I guess, technically today, uh, with events uh-huh. going on all throughout the week, uh, all throughout New York. Uh, so for folks who are geeks and are in New York, you don't necessarily have to have a New York Comic Con badge to go to Super Week events. You can do those separate, I believe. So go to the New York yeah. Comic Con website and uh, and check things out. There's all kinds of really cool things going on. Um, I highly suggest it. Uh, but, but I've been I'm, very confused about the relationship between New York Super Week and New York Comic Con. Um, um, it's all read pop. I see ads on Subway all the time, and it's unclear to me what a great deal of these ads are. Like, yeah. I cannot tell. Um, and that's frustrating. Uh, and 
I, I, I just, it's, I don't know. I don't know. Like, what is New York Super Week? Is it just like that you have events happen that are not ticketed by Comic Con and that there are their own ticketed events? Yeah, so it is basically just a week-long group of events that kind of have to do with New York Comic Con or things that you might find at New York Comic Con, but I think anyone can go to them. You can get other tickets. Things are maybe 5 bucks or $10. Bucks. Um, I don't think you need an actual New York Comic Con badge to go. So it's just Probably a way to have... Probably more money than that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's some that are 40 bucks or $50. Bucks. Um, there was one that I was tempted to go to that was like 40 bucks a piece. Um but there's you know what people like, should go to? People should go to Shipwreck. Have folks heard about this? Um, I, I have not. Please tell us. So Shipwreck is a competitive um, literary erotic fiction event, um, and it has hilarious writers writing hilarious things. Um, I saw it as part of last year's Super Week when they do it in school all the time, but they only do it in New York for part of, as part of Comic-Con. Um, I, I saw them uh, when last year they came here and they did uh, about Watchmen, which was just as hilarious and horrifying as you can imagine. Um, Kate Leff did one of the stories. Writers from The Daily Show did one of them. Um, I'm embarrassed to say I'm forgetting the names of a lot of other folks. But the audience votes and which story is the funniest. It is chaotic and hilarious. One of the pairings that one of the that was that somebody came up with, just as an example in last year's one, was um uh, the Ozymandias action figure from the recent movie slash the Ozymandias action figure from the original comic book series. Which yes means that they wrote a romantic scene between the same action, two versions of an action figure of the same character. Yeah, only slightly disturbing. <laughs> it's incredibly disturbing and entirely hilarious. Um, the punchline from Kate Leff's piece involved people um, discovering a giant bird's nest uh, for a um, uh, night owl slash uh, Spectre 2 story. So, yeah. <laughs> Um, uh, this year I believe it's going to be a Harry Potter one. I have not gotten tickets because, oh no, I'm sorry, Lord of the Rings. It's some phantom I don't give a shit about. Um, <laughs> but people should go to it because it's hilarious. And that's Shipwreck. I guess look for Shipwreck in New York. There it is. Uh, J.R. Tolkien's. Uh, the host is actually Mr. Baldwin from Night. Welcome to Night Vale, and he did all the reading. Actually, uh, is this better? Yes, much better. Okay, he did all of the reading, so you get to hear his wonderful radio voice do all the performances. Um, yeah, go by, check that out. It'll be amazing. Cool. It definitely is an interesting one. Um, there was one that I'm. I don't know if tickets are still there. I'm kind of still tempted to maybe get them. Is it's uh, uh, Daryl from DMC, as in Run DMC, is doing like a reading um, and kind of just talking a little bit about his life and stuff like that, and then doing like a DJ set. Um, I don't remember where that's going on, but I saw that one. I was like, oh, that looks really freaking cool. Um, and it oh, sounds that is- awesome. Um, but there was a good list that was done by the Blurred Girl, um, the blurredgirl.tumblr.com, that's actually got some really good events, um, that are being suggested. On tomorrow night, we've got Women in Comics, um, that's going at, that is Shiro's, an exhibition of women comic book artists. It's a panel discussion, artist reception. Um, it's 5.30 to 8.30 tomorrow at La Casa Azor Bookstore. Um, it's got Alice Meiji, Aletha Martinez, Dahlia Gable, Regine Sawyer, Sarah Woolley, uh, Micheline Hess, and Michelle St. Martin. And I'm sure I butchered some of those names. Um, 
But one of the things that we've been kind of getting hit up on Twitter a bunch is this Afrofuturist thing. Um, according to the site, it's making its debut at New York Comic-Con this year. It's a group of African-American artists, gamers, filmmakers, animators, and writers coming together on the main floor of uh, the convention to showcase their work, meet fans, conduct interviews, and celebrate uh, things uh, for folks who love fantasy, sci-fi, horror, superheroes, and pop culture. I thought this was really, really interesting. Um, definitely being there is mm-hmm. Afio Richardson, Chuck Collins, Keith Miller, Tim Fielder, Museum of Uncut Funk, Erica Alexander, Tony Perrier, Sean Atkinson, Carl Kent, Alex Simmons, Anthony Pugh, Mark Florence, and more. This was the first time I've heard about this other than being pinged on Twitter about it. Um, have you heard anything leading up to this? Um, let's, I'm seeing if I can find some of what they've tweeted to us in the past. Pixu was like, come check this out. Um, Chuck Collins has been tweeting at us a lot. He's actually got some really funny stuff. Um, for like one small little... Yeah, yeah, I can hear you now. Okay, uh, who is he? He's the comic creator. He's been kind of tweeting at us, and it's been pretty funny stuff. Um, I appreciated it. Like, he had one of a guy talking to uh, Ben Carson, and the guy wound up, like, and Ben Carson was talking about, see if I could find it. Like, it's one of those things, like, holy crap, It's this could be really offensive or really funny, and I thought it was funny. Um, damn it. Where is it? Because it was really, really, so really good. we'll figure it out. I, we can report yeah. back. But it, the Afrofuturist thing sounds incredible. Um but also just folks should just go to T H E B L E R D G U R L Tumblr and she's just got a fantastic comprehensive list of anything African American comics related to happening during Comic Con. Yeah. Yeah. Um I mean there basically is a list I love someone put together, like these things that I might have not necessarily paid attention to and would have totally missed. Uh, I mean, is there anything that, like, you really are looking forward to that you've kind of checked out yet, or, um, are you, well, like, what, um, what's standing out to you so far? Janelle Anselin has a panel on uh, her new, on Rosie Press, the new romance com- comics publishing company that she's created, and that's going to be really exciting. Um, I have been invited to participate in an Adventure Time Press junket, so expect some super insider not seen elsewhere coverage above Adventure Time from me coming out during Comic-Con. There's a lot of just interesting diversity-related panels um, that are coming this year. Uh, One of them is called She Made Me Do It, Fangirls Lead the Way. Um, There's there's a lot of stuff along those lines happening this year. I think that there might be a better chance that folks will actually get to get into some of these because these are some of the most popular panels they do. And in the past, it's been incredibly hard to get into them because everybody wants to go. So, Yeah, um, this year they're also doing... having the, more means more people can go. Yeah, they also seem to be doing a smarter thing where they're moving the like the big television stuff off-site into a different building. So that should free up some more room uh, oh, for people to... Oh, great news. Yeah, like that actually seems to be really, really, really smart. Um, so we'll see oh, how that goes. Black Comics Month panel, the Black Comics Month panel, which is on Thursday at, at 6.30 at night, is going to be huge. Um, like get in line hours earlier, I'm imagining. Mickey Kendall is, is going to be there. David Walker, who I've recently become a big fan of because of his work on Cyborg. Scott Snyder, for some reason, um, I mean, did you know Mickey Kendall was doing sort of so- Swords of Sorrow, which is very cool. Uh, Gail Simone is really putting some women into good positions there. Um, Jeremy Whitley, it, it's it, uh, and Ms. Caramel, Caramel Vixen is is moderating it, which is how things went at uh, Special Edition New York, and it was great there at Special Edition New York. So I'm sure it'll be awesome here too. 
Yeah, yeah, it's a, I mean, it's a hell of a group that uh, she put together for that panel. Um, I mean, it sounds like a, a really cool one. I, I think that's going to be like a, a really fun panel, some great discussion. To see what Jeremy has to say is going to be really, really cool. Um, yeah, so I think my big one is a whole bunch of the Archie crew, um, including Chip Zdarsky, who's doing Jughead. And I've never talked yeah. to Chip in person before. And you're more than welcome to join me on that because I think that would be really entertaining between you and me, like tag teaming an interview. With I these, would with love them. to do that. I, if you're who haven't seen, who don't read our site, I have literally never read an Archie comic in my life other than reading Alex DeCampi's Archie Meets the Predator in preparation for her coming on our show a while back. Um, but I read Archie number three and I loved it. Mm-hmm. Loved it. Nothing would have predicted that. I mean, the you know I love the Unstable's art, so that I guess that wouldn't be a surprise. But I really enjoyed the light comedy and the really accurate, like just really well done dialogue, really well drawn teenage characters. Um, and I haven't seen the previews yet for Chip Zdarsky and Erica Henderson's Jughead, but the art I've seen so far is just wonderful, and they are the perfect pair for that character, just perfect. Yeah, I didn't know Jughead's background, like his backstory, which kind of was really front and center in um, uh, Archie number three, So, or I think it was in number three. Maybe number two? No, I think it was number three. Um, that, like, I, I just didn't know his history, so it, that kind of, like, opened up my eyes on that. And, yeah, like, I'm loving the done Archie. I think it just has, it's a great tone. It's really, really good. It feels fresh. Um, Jughead is out I don't know if it's this week or next week. Um, let me take a quick look. Uh, but you know, no matter what, it like it's when it comes out, get it. Like Zdarsky is one of the funniest writers in comics right now. Consistently hilarious in everything he writes. Um, he also has actually like really up, you know, outstanding and upstanding person. Um, it made news that he was awarded the best humor comic at. Um, at uh, Baltimore Comic Con with the Harvey Awards, and he actually declined it because Matt Fraction wasn't included in the award. And he's like, "Nope, this is a team effort. You're gonna, you're gonna uh, recognize both of us or neither of us," which is pretty, pretty uh, impressive for a creator to do. Yeah, definitely. And also, just Chip Zdarsky's comic Harry is one of my favorites. Yeah, and if. Uh, Folks, don't follow him online. The dude's crazy. He's really, really funny. And um, the humor bleeds over in pretty much everything he does. So uh, I would recommend it. Really, yeah, just fun, entertaining, great writer. Uh, so, yeah, Jughead is actually out this Wednesday. So uh, make sure to get it when it hits um, its stands because, well, it's going to be one I, I guarantee that will be good. I haven't had a chance to read it yet, but I will, well, before we interview him. Uh, so to me, that's like one of the big highlights for me. Like he's a he's a creator that I really really respect, and I have yet to talk to. So to be able to to chat with him, um, I think is really cool and something that I I like to do. Unfortunately, the other one that I really want to do, which was with David Walker, got bumped. So hopefully, maybe I can do that some down the road at some other time. Because um, I want to talk. Yeah, that one I was really looking forward to, and I'm like, oh mother. Of course, that's like the one that got canceled. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's uh, it 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 should be interesting and fun. Um, we haven't really, I haven't really had a chance to talk to a lot of Archie folks before, so um, this is my chance to do it and learn a lot about Archie. So, if folks have questions for Archie, feel free to tweet us. Um, and I actually get to talk yeah. to Archie's president on Saturday. So I plan on really have, giving him some hard questions that should be entertaining. I think he's not sweating by the end of it. I haven't done my job. Um, so I'm going to see what actual hard questions I can ask in the 10 minutes I got. Um, but, yeah, I think that that's pretty much it. Like it, For me, big thing with the conventions are all um, – is uh, they're all uh, about finding new talent. So, you know, I'll be spending a lot of time in Artist Alley um, and checking folks out and um, seeing what new individuals we're going to be able to uh, see down the road 
as uh, comic stars. Yeah, um, I'm actually I discovered Erica Henderson a couple of years back when I got her to make the commission for my friend's wedding. Uh, and I'm just a huge star known for work on Squirrel Girl and now Jughead. So, yeah, you should definitely go to Artist Alley and spend all of your money there. It is the most fun thing you can do. Yeah. It's one and of the, really it's, important for supporting the community. Yeah. And it's one of the things that I love going to conventions about is Artist Alley. Uh, but for mm-hmm. folks who are listening to the show that want to keep up, you, we will be tweeting up a storm. I will be having some fun periscoping here and there as long as there's internet connection or cell connection. Uh, and we'll have video and interviews and all kinds of crazy stuff post-convention, if uh, not during the convention as well. So you can catch us on uh, Twitter and Facebook and, of course, graphicpolicy.com to get all that. Um, and we're going to... It's going to be fun. We we haven't really had a show where there's a bunch of us running around doing all kinds of crazy stuff. So uh, we'll see what happens. Plus, we'll see what happens, uh, what the reaction is post our uh, big uh, article that launched last week. Uh, that one, I still don't know what the hell people are going to react to. So we'll see. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, I, we uh, will basically just follow us on... Uh, Twitter and Facebook to uh, keep up with the, the New York Comic Con news. We'll be posting up a lot. Um, I think we've, we've checked off everything we wanted to talk to talk about this week. Uh, anything yeah, else? On? I think that's right. All right, cool. Um, uh, yep, that's it. Yeah, so uh, everyone, again, you can catch us every single day at graphicpolicy.com. We're going to be at New York Comic Con um, starting Thursday through the weekend. We'll be tweeting. We'll be post us to Facebook. We'll have articles up. We'll have interviews. Hopefully we'll have some cool previews. Um, yeah, it, it should be a really good time. You can catch us all at Graphic Policy for everything. It's nice and consistent. So until next time... And I'm, I'm Lana underscore Brooklyn. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. underscore Brooklyn at Twitter. Thank you. I'm going to have a nice page linking off of the site where you'll be able to follow Lana's Twitter feed. Uh, hopefully you'll be able to follow it follows a lot of Twitter feed as long as the technology works. Um, you'll be able to check out the, the main graphic policy one um, and uh, and uh, maybe see some specific uh, New York Comic Con posts. But uh, it'll be a nice little hub that you can get more information off of that will be linked directly from the main site with a nice little graphic. So check that out at graphicpolicy.com. That'll probably go up uh, Tuesday or Wednesday. So... Um, until next show, I'm Brett. And I'm Ilana. And keep it geeky. Thanks for listening. <laughs>